Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast. Start of a brand new week. But, Dominic, we're not looking at the week ahead. We're looking at the weekend that was. That's, oh, you should do that for every weekend recap. (laughs) And not just the weekend that was, but the weekend that is still ongoing as we are recording. Damn, Skippy. Because even though the fights have already taken place, right now I look happy. Right now I look, you know, I still look like a human being. Yeah. But in 24 hours, guys, it could be, I could, Dominic could be riding solo from now on. (laughs) <laughs> this could be Shit. the end, end of our show as, as we, we know, know it. it yeah because if the Bengals lose the super bowl tonight this below average joe will be no mo <laughs> <laughs> but if they win i fear the same thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah really i i so up front i did take off not just monday from work <laughs> i took off tuesday as well because yeah. i was like i'm gonna need another one yeah <laughs> An extra recovery. Pour me another. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I and then I, I scheduled a doctor's appointment for Friday. So my <laughs> boss, when I get, when I asked to take those two days off, he kind of like knew. He was like, yeah. oh. He's like, you need two days for that, huh? And then when I scheduled, I told him I was going to be out half the day Friday. He goes, Jesus, what are you planning on getting into? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, not it's related. A, but... It's a rumble in the jungle, man. The Bengals, man. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll see what happens. But hope everybody enjoys the Super Bowl today. Yes. That makes this such a big, one of the biggest sporting weekends of the year. It is huge. Yeah, Super Bowl is obviously a huge deal. Rams, Bengals, two uh-huh. teams that haven't been there in a long time. I mean, the Rams, two thousand one, when they lost to the Patriots, and then uh, that's Kurt Warner, greatest show on oh, turf, yeah, Marshall Kurt Falk. Warner. Yeah, yeah. Bengals, nineteen eighty eight. I mean, come on, guys. Time. Love to see but, it. Uh, um, that's obviously not why you guys are here. You guys are here to get that weekend recap mm-hmm. from it's all UFC 271, really. I mean, that's that's yeah. what we're here to talk about, right? That's yeah, the, that's the whole shebang for and what a card. Yeah, I mean, really was it was a card that felt like it was going to live up. You had a lot of guys that show a lot of promise on this card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some big favorites here and there, but really every fight for the most part pretty much delivered what you were hoping for what you expected yeah and yeah that's why we're gonna have a lot to talk about here i mean that's truthfully. right but that's i guess before we you know jump right into it dominic how are you recovering from the weekend you know you had the drive around quite a bit are you yeah the drive okay you, you feeling all right yeah drive's good i mean got back here in the studio in one piece amen and you know it was a really fun weekend. Got to catch up with my Valentine, you know, as we discussed on uh, on Friday's show. And uh, it was just good quality time. Actually, I wanted to mention this place that we went to on Saturday. Because if anyone's ever in the Columbus, Dublin, or really there's a few of them throughout Ohio and mm-hmm. Midwest. Uh, it's called Penn's Mechanical Company. This is not sponsored, but damn, this place is cool. <laughs> because you go in and it's like we there's a big row or a wall of like old-fashioned pinball machines but they're done up like modern day so there's really there was deadpool marvel like in game mm-hmm. uh teenage mutant ninja turtles all kinds of cool pop culture stuff they had like a bunch of og ones from like the 70s and 80s i'm like this is badass then you turn the corner and there's like 10 little mini bowling lanes there's two ping pong tables there's a full bar there's a big like not beer pong but you play 
with like a soccer ball and you throw it into a trash can. Just, just like <laughs> humongous atmosphere and the vibes were just really cool. There were a ton of people there. It was nice seeing a lot of people out having fun this weekend. But I just had to mention this place. If anyone's ever near a Penn's Mechanical Company, there's like seven of them in the Midwest. Highly recommend going to Noah. As a matter of fact, I'd love to go with you someday. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe next year I can be your Valentine and you can take me there. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into those fight announcements, Dom. Let's do it. It starts with an unfortunate but silver lining to all this turn yes. of events. Yes. And that's our Rafael Squared fight that was supposed to headline next Saturday's card on February 19th. is unfortunately going to have to be moved uh for Fizaev, he he had some issues getting his uh, visa worked out in time. Yeah, yeah. So the fight between him and Dos Anjos will be moved to the co-main event of UFC 272. We had talked about how that spot had been open. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, of course, the the pay-per-view headlined by the friends turned enemies. Colby hey, the Covington. promo for that. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Colby Covington versus Jorge Masvidal. So now this will be the co-main event, and Dominic. Mm. they're keeping it five rounds. Hell yeah. I mean, yeah. I love this fight. It's a huge opportunity. You know, Rafael Dos Anjos, he's been there. He's been in big fights for years. But Fazayev, this is by far his biggest test, his biggest platform. He's getting a co-main event slot on a Masvidal Covington card. It's a very big deal. The fact that they kept it five rounds is awesome. Chef's kiss. I'm glad they agreed to keep it that way. And I truthfully think this is just such an awesome fight. You know, it sucks we don't get to see it this coming weekend. Um, but still, to be on that, you know, elevated card is just a big, big statement for both of those guys. I'm happy for them. I'm excited for that fight. Yeah, it's it is a bigger stage for them. Ultimately, you know, you get put co-main on like yeah. a, a card that is probably going to get a lot of eyes on it from even like a casual uh, yeah. viewership. And Dos Anjos is at least a guy that I think a lot of people kind of remember his name. You know, mm-hmm. he had the the planned bout with Connor, so I think there's still some people that kind of remember him from that. And obviously. If you're a true fan, you just know him as one of the toughest fights yes. in the whole division. Yes. And a guy that if you can beat him, that really says a lot about your future. So Fazayev, here he goes. He gets his test, and it's still going to be five rounds. It's just on a bigger stage now. Mm. So mm. nut up or shut up a little bit. Exactly. And, and for the card next Friday, this is elevated Johnny Walker versus Jamal Hill. Yep. So while it's a big blow to the card from top to bottom, it is kind of nice that that fight, you know, you have a good co-main event right. that can be elevated, yeah. and therefore it doesn't feel like an outlier. And know? I wonder, have they confirmed, will that? Will they bump that to five rounds, or are they going to keep I, it three, I wonder? As of now, I've not heard that. Yeah. I doubt it. Um, I'm assuming it's going to remain three rounds. I guess yeah. that, that could end up not being the case, but um, I wouldn't expect it to be. But it's still Johnny Walker, Jamal Hill, two guys, you know, They've had a lot of promise. Yeah, it will be Jamal's first main event. Jamal Hill, this is a big one for him. He's Mm -hmm. riding high right now, coming off that really just swift knockout of Jimmy Crute. While Johnny Walker's not in the best place, but still someone that you just never can quite count out because he's so explosive, so just wild, and you know he's he's good. I mean that's that's what it comes down to. So it should be a fun main event, I think. Oh yeah. Uh, following that, March 26th, Dominic. We UFC, got it. Columbus. Or we got one, anyway. Yeah, we did. So this was the card that me and Dominic, along with a, a group of our of our buddies, are going to. 
And the main event had been scrapped between Rakic and Blahovic. Mm-hmm. We do get our replacement main event, though, Dominic. Two top ten heavyweights, Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins, both guys coming off of knockout losses to Derek Lewis, actually, fun fact. So, <laughs> That's true. So both looking to bounce back, obviously. They get a main event slot on a pretty big fight night for this year. Uh, any, what are your, your, I guess, feelings about this? Are you, is this, does this feel like a good replacement main event? And obviously, I guess, what are your thoughts on the fight in general? Yeah. I mean, it's a fight that, you know, it does make sense. It's, it's a little odd. I saw a lot of people that were pretty iffy on it. Um, you know, like you said, they are, they did both get knocked out to Derek Lewis. I always forget. And I forgot until I looked it up the other day. Curtis Blades had that fight in September against Jarzino Rosenstroik where he did win, but it's like, it's one of those fights where you just don't remember. Sometimes Curtis Blades oh, has those types. Did that of really? Did that happen? Yeah, yeah. He oh. beat Curtis Blades in September. Sorry, I, I completely forgot about exactly. that. Exactly. Well, that that's the Curtis Blades effect. Sometimes <laughs> you know, sometimes he gashes a head open and Alistair Overeem. Yeah. Sometimes I guess you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, my, my still, mistake, Curtis. I apologize. You know, in a way, still kind of looking to bounce back, just because he's always been there. You know, but he's never been enough to get that title shot or win that big one so you're you're right but for curtis it's like he already is is struggling because he doesn't have the most exciting fight style so he's already kind of working from behind or having to work a little harder you know he's got to put up maybe a few more wins than some of his contemporaries for sure but then you have the setbacks where he's been knocked out twice by the champion francis Ngannou. yeah then he gets that Derek lewis matchup looks great early and then gets hit with the (laughs) massive uppercut that puts him to sleep and like i like curtis blades i think he is a very good fighter in this division i think even i would go as far to say he is a a worthy title contender. Yeah. But those losses, if they continue to kind of stack up, you know, against guys that are at the top, the forefront of the division, uh-huh. it's just going to be harder and harder to really sell him as like a main event. And you kind of combine that with the fact he's already not the most exciting fighter in the world. You know, it's a tough sell for some people right now. I'm yeah. still on board with this, but I'm just saying that like, I see why people maybe aren't as sold. Yeah, for sure. And on the other side of the spectrum, you have Chris Dawkins, who was elevated to his biggest spot at the end of 2021 in the main event with Derek Lewis, gets beat, you know, knocked out in the first round, but he's still getting to fight up against number four, Curtis Blade. So I don't know. I was telling Noah off recording. It kind of just makes me believe, like, maybe the UFC really still does see something in Dawkins. And, you know, I'm not saying he can't be a future title contender. I think he is very good, a very good stand-up fighter um, and crisp on the feet, but still to really launch him right back in with a, a matchup that's not promising for him because blades is like that for a lot of ways mm-hmm. it is interesting but you know if he wins he's kind of right back in the saddle especially when you look at what happened to Derek lewis which we'll get into later so at the end of the day i'm glad we got a new main event it's a 15 fight card right now which is insane so we'll see how much of it sticks together come march 26th i agree with your point of view about feeling like Dawkins is kind of being tossed right back in the fire yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's dangerous because even though he he didn't really put up the greatest of showings against Derek Lewis, you know, the way he lost is kind of the way that, you know, that's just how people go. It's, <laughs> yeah. how, it's how heavyweight fights go in general. But when you're going up against Derek Lewis, I mean, sometimes that happens. You just get knocked yeah. out. I mean, it, it is what it is. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily – 
stop me from believing that this guy's you know got the potential of a again another title challenger i really do think pretty highly of chris Dawkins, and i would hate for people i felt like he it was like the whole discussion before the lewis fight was is it chris Dawkins or tom aspinall that's like the the next one and now that loss to lewis i feel like has made everybody kind of shift to where now tom aspinall's got this chance coming up the week before yeah actually that's true event against uh volkov so now everybody kind of is looking at Aspinall as the guy. And while I still I agree that I think Aspinall probably has a little bit higher of a ceiling, I don't want people to just overlook Dawkins because yeah. of that one loss. However, you're giving him a complete opposite matchup here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you're going with the, the hardest wrestling matchup in the division. And again, if he gets squashed here, or loses, and if it's kind of in a boring fashion, you kind of just deflated everything yeah. you had built up to this point in a way. Yeah. So it's a risky one, and maybe that does add a little bit of stakes to, again, a, a main event that does feel like a somewhat step down from the one we originally had. But as people that will be in attendance, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. UFC, we wanted a new main event. The UFC gave us a new main event. It's two top ten heavyweights. Both very talented. Both guys that, again, I think could be fighting for a title at some point. Yeah. Can I really complain at that it, point? Exactly. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Bellator. Mm. Bellator on May 6th. This is the card that is going to be headlined by Ryan Bader and Chet Congo in their rematch for the oh, Bellator yeah, heavyweight title. Mm-hmm. So the co-main event. Yoel Romero is going to be back, coming He's off bad. a very, very disappointing first showing. Yeah. Um, that was against Phil Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he is going up against Melvin Manhoff, Dominic. Uh, the combined age of this contest. I was waiting was, on you. Is it 91 years old? Was that I what it was? I believe so, yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty old uh, yeah. is this one. But. You know, Yoel Romero, Dominic, I'm just going to ask you, like, coming off of that loss to Phil Davis, I know you sp- you especially, from what I understand, uh, felt like the bigger takeaway from that fight was just how good Phil Davis looked. For me, it was, yeah. 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 So now that you got this matchup, and I and I'm, let's remove ourselves from the fact that it's Melvin Manhoff, and, you know, we'll get into that, but... Is Yoel Romero being back? Do you still have a lot of hope, a lot of excitement about seeing Yoel Romero again in Bellator? I do, but it's way less now. Uh, I I just fear that you know we've seen it time and time again. I feel like lately from Yoel, where the output's not there, that explosiveness just isn't there, mm. and you know he's getting older, he's less active, he's had the injuries with his eye and whatnot, so things just aren't in his favor per se. And this matchup kind of, I think explains where he's at in this point in his career. I'm not saying he can't come out and potentially just explode and, you know, knock out Melvin Manhoff. But again, it's like, uh, how much is that really telling us about Yoel's potential? Like, I don't know when they first sign him, I'm like, this dude can make a splash. He can maybe win the grand prix, become I mean, a, we champion. Were thinking a champion. Yeah. And now meh, I don't really <laughs> just get those vibes anymore. At the end of the day, it's Yoel Romero. I love the guy, but uh, I just, it's not that same explosive, dangerous fighter. And again, he could pull a rabbit out of a hat here and pull it out. But right now, it's hard to have that hype that I once did. And remember, Dominic, like I said, your bigger takeaway from his debut was how good Phil Davis looked. So imagine 
the how people are feeling that had the takeaway of like how bad UL looked. Right. I mean, you already feel like. Uh, I mean, yeah. I guess he's still relevant, but like, is he? I mean, is this yeah. kind of the end? Is this like a a send off? Is it you know? And you're in doing? that other camp, right? Yeah. Um, I in a way, I, I I it's not that I wasn't impressed with Phil Davis, mm. but I do think I probably was more just disappointed yeah. in Yoel. And maybe it's one of those things you should see it coming because again, Yoel before that his fight his literally last fight in UFC was for the middleweight title against yeah. Israel Adesanya, one of the worst title fights of all time. But again, you kind of go, well, he was fighting for a title. Yeah. And the fight before that, yes, was a loss, but the Paulo Costa, which was an amazing fight. That's true. And one that I thought he won. And, yeah. um, you know, to see him fall this this hard, at least seemingly, is it sucks. It sucks because I really like Yoel Romero. I, I think he's yeah. just... One of the the all time scariest fighters, super explosive, just yeah. a a specimen, and now he's going up against Melvin Manhoff, who also was at one time kind of like that. Yeah, true. And a guy who, if you're a pretty much strictly UFC viewer, you may not really know the name, but this guy at one time was one of the scariest fighters in the world, just yeah. putting people to sleep like bad Mm -hmm. and now he's kind of this washed up guy he was the one that debuted again or um welcomed Corey anderson to bellator oh yeah it was like why is Corey anderson fighting melvin manhoff and yeah you know Corey anderson kind of just cut through him like a knife through butter yeah but uh here it's maybe the best thing i could say about this fight is that it feels like one of these guys is probably not making it to the judges' scorecards. Like, mm. and when I say that, like, I have a hard time seeing Melvin finish Yoel. I feel like this is the matchup where if Yoel's going to have this kind of late rally to his career, this late, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, highlight reel to add to the to the highlight reel that he already has built up, this is, this the, is the fight to do it. Because <laughs> yeah. Melvin is, again, a guy who's been finished a lot at this point. He's old, a little washed up, but... If, if you get the kind of fight that we kind of fear we might, where you have two guys who have, were at one point specimens that are now just, you know, fighting like two guys at the nursing home fighting over fucking bread or something. Mm, I mean, right. It's, just, it's not necessarily going to be very good. So, And it kind of makes you think, Dominic, like the people that book these fights a lot of times know more. They're on the inside. They know mm-hmm. a little bit more than we do. So you kind of wonder when they book Yoel against someone like Melvin Manhoff, even though it's a co-main event slot, yeah, whatever. It kind of makes you wonder, like, what do they know? Like, they must kind of be thinking, man, we we don't have much here anymore, you know? Yeah, and it, well, I was about to ask kind of, too, what if Yoel were to go in here and lose this? Then it's like, okay, two of the, two of the biggest signings Bellator's really ever done in free agency last year with him and Rumble Johnson, neither one thus far, you know, could potentially pan out. I know Rumble did have a win, but then he had the injury and never got to have the big fights that they wanted. But Yoel lost his debut. If he goes out here and loses to Manhoff, then you're like, oh, shit. You know, I would have never... When Bellator did those two contract signings, I would have never guessed this is the question I'd be asking at this point in time. I agree with you. I think the jury's still out on Rumble Johnson. Yeah. I mean, he had yeah. that weird thing where he got he got arrested. I, that's true. Forgot Bellator about that. Fight. Uh, 
weird stuff there. You guys can look that up on your own time. But uh, be, and then yes, you're right. It's kind of delay. There's been a big delay in really yeah. getting him going. So I still have some hope for Rumble Johnson, mm-hmm. but for Yoel, it's just you know, even with a win here, like I'm not exactly like you know getting overjoyed for the next Yoel Romero fight. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Maybe he comes out and looks fantastic. And- yeah, he'll, maybe he'll pull out a flying knee like he did against Chris White. <laughs> uh, eight days later, May 14th, two top 15 strawweights. And it's an interesting one because Virna, Jandaroba, and Angela Hill. Angela Hill, back head. again. 11 versus 12. How many times do I feel like I'm going to have to say, <laughs> Dominic, is this a must win for Angela Hill? Because, again, I understand like she is, this is my. She must have the worst luck of yeah, like dude. any it's... fighter ever. I mean, the amount of split decisions that, <laughs> yeah. not just split decisions where like they're really close, but ones where I've been like, oh yeah, I think Angela Hill won that mm-hmm. and she's lost. Yeah, is pro- pretty staggering at this point. Yeah, and now she's going up against Virna, who's another tough opponent who is coming off a loss uh, to to Hebus, but still good. And I just have to wonder, like, is this, again, is this a must-win for Angela Hill to kind of keep being a relevant fighter in this division? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people love Angela Hill. I'm I'm a fan. The UFC seems to love her. But if she were to lose this, that is three in a row, regardless of if it's a split, if it's a unanimous. If the judges' scorecards say she loses, and yes, I'm automatically assuming this fight will go the distance. I'm sorry, people. <laughs> that's just what, that's what I'm imagining. But, uh... You know, and Virna is a good fighter, man. This is an interesting kind of clash. And Angel Hill is still getting older, I think, 37 or 38 now. So the end of the road is near regardless if she wins or loses. But, yes, again, we've probably asked this before on the podcast, and we'll say it again here, because <laughs> how many fights have we covered of Angel Hill since we started this show? She fights so damn much. It feels like a must-win for her, and one where Jandadoba is just kind of looking to bounce back after a loss against T-Boss, where, by the way, that was a pretty fun scrap, too. So mm-hmm. uh, I'll be curious to see how this will play out. And Angel Hill is always in these types of fights. Number 10 through 15, she's probably fought every single person that's ever held that standing <laughs> since the beginning of this weight class. So we'll see what happens, man. Yeah, I expect a fun one there, though. I really do. Oh, yeah. Let's get into some more news. Um, we'll start with Kayla Harrison, mm. the PFL. Uh, we, we had kind of, the last time we talked about Kayla Harrison, I don't believe we ever addressed the uh, all but signed yeah, uh, thing I don't think that so. Ariel had reported. But basically before that, we were still kind of speculating. And it was starting to look like, okay, Kayla Harrison may be returning to the PFL. It was starting to kind of look like we were going in that mm. direction. But there was still some hope. I mean, we've even, we had a comment the other day I saw you respond to where someone was still kind of holding out hope. Oh, yeah, UFC yeah. To, to sign Kayla Harrison just because... The biggest promotion in the world. You want the best of the best talent to be yeah. in the best of the best, you know, talent pool. Um, however, Ariel Hawani had reported probably uh, it was probably like three weeks ago or a month ago now that it was all but done. Mm-hmm. The the deal to return Kayla Harrison to the PFL, and then you saw the PFL had uh, re-signed with ESPN Plus. Yeah, that's the part we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the PFL has been kind of expanding. You know, they're they're on Fubo TV now with yep. uh, their new Contender series. Yeah, that starts show. this week. Yeah, and then they just had a new deal over in the UK with Channel Four. 
yep. to air their shows on on that channel. So big moves for the PFL, really expanding. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. However, unfortunately, Dominic, uh, this deal with Kayla Harrison is not done, and that's the thing. All but done. Yeah. But it all but. And uh, because that negotiations with the PFL have reportedly hit multiple 11th hour snags. Like, literally, one gets resolved, then another one came up. Mm. Uh, this is all being, again, credit to Ariel Hawani. I heard he was talking about this on the the Ringer MMA podcast, which yeah. you guys should check that out if uh, you haven't. It's a really, really good show. But basically, multiple things came up with this negotiation with the PFL. And then, Dominic, another offer came in at the last second. Oh, boy. Scott but it Coker. Wasn't, not the UFC, though. But from Bellator, mm-hmm. Bellator trying to swoop in like a bandit in the night, like the Colts leaving Baltimore, trying yeah, to just yeah, swoop yeah. on in. And um, because of that, PFL's not out of it. But now you got, again, another competitive free agency going on again. Mm-hmm. So as it stands, do you have any sort of feeling one way or another? You know, Is there any hope that maybe – she does move on to Bellator, go on to the next chapter, or are you kind of hoping that the PFL keeper, because of how important she is for not just what they built, but what they're obviously expanding on at this point? Yeah, this is very interesting, man, and I can't help but get excited about the Bellator offer because originally that was kind of what I was most excited mm-hmm. for for Kayla because they have a full roster of featherweights. They have Chris Cyborg. So not only is there a big fight opportunity, but – there's other fights we could see Kayla have after or before she fights Cyborg. And I can't help but bring up a little soundbite I heard of a interview she had with someone from MMA Junkie, if I'm not mistaken, where she said there was originally a plan in place where she wanted to do multiple belts, multiple weight classes, multiple organizations in 2022. And now that Bellator's back in the running, do we see her maybe do a fight in PFL? Maybe against like... Uh, I forget who was the, one of their new signees that came in at the oh, end of the I year. Know who you're talking was it about. Julia Bud? Yep, Julia Bud. So, like, does she maybe defend? A, I don't know. They don't really like defend belts in PFL, but like, could she do that there and then maybe go to fight Cyborg and Bellator? So now I'm kind of maybe something like that could still happen. But regardless, it is exciting, and I think this at the end of the day just shows how big of a potential star these organizations see in Kayla Harrison, man. Yeah, very true. I mean, she is being treated like a big deal. And she oh, it's be. crazy. Now, the, the the only thing stopping that kind of partnership where she maybe has a couple fights for mm-hmm. Bellator and the PFL is the promoters themselves. That's the only right. thing stopping that. Yeah. I mean, these promoters can team up if they want. They can co-promote. Yeah. You just – only certain promotions you see do it. I mean, the UFC – has, again, been one of those that pretty much will never do it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that's because of the history when they tried to do it with Pride back in the day, kind of got screwed, you know, left bad taste in their mouth. And plus they're so big that, like, why? Yeah. It, they don't There's really no need to. for, yeah. Uh, but they did, like, co-promote the McGregor-Mayweather boxing mm-hmm. fight, you know. So it's these promoters are capable of doing it. So yeah. that deal could be in place, but – I'm not very confident that that will happen. Now, Bellator is one of the companies that has done it. Yeah. Like Kyoji Horiguchi uh, was uh, fighting over in Ryzen and was came over and became the Bellator champion, wasn't able to defend. But, you know, that was while he was still in Ryzen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So 
as it stands now, I can't help but want this this move to Bellator to happen. I know, man. It kind of felt like when I heard that she was all but signed to the PFL again or all but re-signed to the PFL, I, I couldn't help but feel a little disappointed. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. That competition factor, you know? Yeah, it's just like, okay, you know, maybe her and Julia Budd could be an interesting fight, but... Again, you're going to get the Jenna Fabians of the world, these these other women. No disrespect, Jenna, because I'm the only person I mentioned. But just the rest of these women's lightweights who just aren't on the same level exactly. as her. And it's like, okay, I guess this is going to be kind of her legacy is just to be this monstrous uh, woman in this division that nobody else can really touch. And um, she, her legacy is just going to be being the most dominant fighter in the PFL's history and she'll yeah. be the face of that organization and it, she could end up being a pretty big star just by doing that yeah but i think this move to bellator is kind of a must because the biggest fight for her at this point is chris cyborg oh and that's oh, and honestly man. that might be regardless of promotion i mean after amanda nunez lost to juliana yeah. pena i'm starting to think that this is just the biggest fight in general yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Chris Cyborg. Now, again, I was a proponent of maybe not doing that fight right away. Yeah, yeah. I still am kind of mixed feelings on the whole thing because part of me wants to see her debut against someone like Kat Zingano, mm-hmm. who I know is kind of would potentially be screwed in this situation because she's supposed to be fighting for true, true. a title next. But, um but I also see the promoter's point of view of like, but what if she loses to Kat Zingano and then we just squashed like a huge money-making opportunity? Yeah. Yeah. We know Kayla Harrison's fantastic, but we don't know if she's really ready for literally one of the best women in the entire world. Like for you just sure. don't, you just don't. But um, if that fight does happen, if she signs to Bellator, oh my gosh. I mean, that might be the biggest fight in Bellator history, Dominic. Her versus Cyborg, that'd be yes. massive. I would actually go as far to say that is the biggest fight in Bellator history. I could be wrong. I, again, you know, I, I just started uh, really watching MMA in this capacity in like 2016. And I know they had some pretty decent sized fights before that. But as far as since I've been watching, yeah. do you, this fight would be on people's radar. And I can't think of another Bellator fight that's really. Besides maybe, I mean, Pitbull McKee was pretty big, but even that yeah. was limited, you know. Right, yeah, and Cyborg is still one of the biggest names in the entire Bellator organization, and Kayla is the biggest free agent, potentially, that we've ever seen in MMA, but this, obviously this year, too, so uh, I can't help but be excited. And at, at the end of the day, we got to be getting close, right? So, something's going to come out sooner or later, because the <laughs> PFL season, it's starting up in, like, April. we got to we got to get the ball rolling here, so I'm excited. <laughs> well, let's not gloss over the fact either. And I, I, and I agree with you, like, excited on the potential of her yeah. going to Bellator. But, you know, let's not gloss over the kind of blow this could potentially be to the PFL. That, that is the – she is the face of their she's company. She's the face of the company. <laughs> now, yeah. luckily for them, they did re-sign with ESPN before yes. she potentially leaves. Yeah. But considering they're doing all this expansion and stuff, I mean, do you think this is, like, a – big enough loss to where you're talking like detrimental like to where they're potentially scrambling to even stay alive for the next couple of years as they look to build up a Brendan Lochnane or yeah. whoever to kind of fill those shoes as much as they can 
That's actually a really interesting question because she is undoubtedly the biggest name over there. Yeah, they have some decent names, but really, like, their free agents that they signed last year didn't do so hot, including Anthony Pettis. So mm-hmm. it's hard to, you know, kind of back them when you already have a proven champ in Kayla. So I don't want to go as far as, like, detrimental, like, oh, no, the downfall of the PFL could be upon us. But I definitely think, especially for 2022, it would be a big hit considering all of this new momentum that they've garnered definitely slows it down just a bit and i can't help but kind of chuckle at the idea that if kayla harrison were to in the next few weeks sign with bellator i'm assuming the plans are already in place the rosters are already in place for this season of the pfl so you would still end up with a lightweight tournament yeah lightweight division so one of these women would end up getting a million dollars and uh and you got to think Julia Budd may just be the front runner. <laughs> she you know? may be, but it's just like the idea that they would have to give a million dollars to someone who is probably not at the caliber of a, <laughs> of a yeah, champion. Um, very interesting. But hopefully we finally get some resolution here. I mean, we've been talking about this for like three or four months. I yeah. think the PFL championships were at the end of October. Yep. And uh, ever since then, it's been Kayla Harrison free agency. And here we are midway through february and it's crazy no decisions been made but i respect kayla making the moves though she's doing good oh yeah she's She's trying to get the bag and she's playing she's planting seeds she's 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 doing the the right business moves here i love it yes for sure um one more piece of news i I think the headline's kind of funny (laughs) (laughs) i see what you were doing there um so yeah let's let's talk about joe rogan because uh, you know he's he's one of the the biggest personalities in the in sport, the world. yeah, and, and in the world, yeah. <laughs> yeah. in the world, and, and biggest one of the biggest podcasts in the world. Yeah. Obviously, he's been in the news a lot. Yeah, um, and we're just gonna come right out front and just say that like me and Dominic are not gonna tell anybody how we're not in any place to tell anybody how mm-hmm. they should feel about all the noise that's been going on with Joe Rogan over the past few months, but really over the past week or so. Uh, but since it kind of, uh, what do you want to call it, like seeped in or snowballed, <laughs> kind of into. snowballed into where it is kind of affecting or changing things in, in the UFC, yeah. I figured it would be worth to at least address that portion of it here. Yeah. So basically what happened was, and again, all credit to the <laughs> to the, the Ringer for this one, the Ringer <laughs> MMA podcast. i got to give them the credit. Ariel kind of planted the seed or accidentally did or something. And then it kind of later came out that basically Joe Rogan citing a, a scheduling conflict was not going to be appearing on the broadcast for UFC 271. And a lot of people made the assumption that, well, Disney or ESPN basically forced the UFC to have him step away due to you know a lot of the heat going on yeah. with, with him right now. But then at the post-fight press conference, Dana White said, no, Joe, there was no scheduling conflict. He's like, Joe Rogan could have worked this yeah. weekend. He said, Joe Rogan did not want to work this weekend. And, right. And, he's, and then they asked him, like, you know, well, will he be back for UFC 262? And he goes, the next time Joe Rogan wants to work, he will be working. Like, right. He's like, yeah. pretty much – double down so yeah. um i guess the the question right now dominic is i was surprised and here's here's why because even though you know everything going on with him 
really it's always felt like no matter what's going on in the socio-political world, it always has felt like it's kind of avoided the UFC. Mm-hmm. Like Dana has been pretty big proponent for free speech as he right. sees it. And, yeah. and um, you know, has because of that, like a lot of the, the noise that goes on in a lot of our other sports, you know, a lot of that socio-political climate doesn't really seem to, it almost feels like the UFC is like separated from it all. Yeah, it doesn't affect them much. Yeah. Um, so I was surprised when I when I heard this because I didn't see really any fighters or fans necessarily clamoring for Rogan to be removed from the broadcast. Yeah. Like, even the people that were, again, being critical of him in the public weren't really targeting him on the UFC broadcast, they were like targeting his podcast yeah, it was completely, on Spotify. Yeah. So it felt like it was just completely separate. Uh, so when this happened, I was like, well, it didn't really add up to me. Cause I was like, I don't, even if there was pressure from ESPN, from Disney, whatever mm-hmm. to remove him at the end of the day, that's the call that Dana has to make. And I don't see him, making that call to remove right. Rogan from the bo- from the broadcast because of how loyal he is to Joe Rogan. So knowing now that it was probably, at least if we are to believe everything at face value here, that Joe Rogan himself stepped away, can we, can we safely say right now, Dominic, that this is just kind of a one-off and hopefully Rogan will be back in his normal capacity moving forward? Or is there perhaps going to be – is this going to be – something lingering for a while perhaps yeah i'd like to think it was just a one-off at the end of the day you said kind of the worst of the worst has been happening the past one or two weeks where it's just been really crazy he's like the most talked about person in the world i feel like right now at least Mm -hmm. on social media um so you know i i was i i wasn't surprised when they necessarily said it um that like he wasn't on the broadcast but at the same time i was like oh scheduling conflict that's you know interesting that it happened yeah Uh, but then that dana came out and said joe kind of chose not to do it i do kind of see joe i could see joe doing that you know like he's a guy that's very loyal to the ufc loves the sport loves the fighters and i feel like if there's any time where he feels he may be taking away shine he could you know kind of step away and i'm sure he has a lot of shit going on right now anyway behind the scenes so maybe he just had to take care of some stuff and he, again, he didn't want to hinder any broadcast. They kind of throw Michael Bisbing under the bus because he had like one day to prepare and get to the fights. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I see it as just kind of a short-term thing. Maybe not back by March 5th for the big fights. I sure hope so because that's a massive card with Covington and Masvidal. But, you know, maybe we see him kind of step away for a few more fights than what we're used to. But we've kind of seen that lately anyway from Joe. So, at the end of the day, I don't make too much of it. I think we see Joe back in there sooner rather than later. I would expect the same thing. And I think one of the reasons for that is like his podcast is still going. Yeah. You know, yeah. despite really, I mean, what is ultimately being a lot of boycotting and yeah. a lot of, a lot of noise. It's, he's still doing new episodes. So I, I'm again, it just surprised me because I didn't feel like that was the response people were like, pushing for mm-hmm. and like it almost seemed unnecessary i guess but again you know i don't know you you decide i guess if you felt like that was a, a good or bad move but i i you're probably right i think maybe with everything going on maybe he just didn't really have the time to yeah prepare himself either 
Um, so I could really see that. I guess once you started to kind of say that, I'm like, yeah, I guess it is just like a really bad time to try and get <laughs> to have a something. pay-per-view. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, um, I'm speaking for myself here. I mean, I would just like to see him back because I just love the job he does for the UFC. So yeah, at the uh, end of the day, he adds value to the show, man. Yeah. But I will say props to Michael Bisping. For stepping in on such yeah. short notice. I love Michael Bisping on commentary. Yeah. I've said that he's my favorite of the, well, one of my favorites. Fighters kind of, turned commentary. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love all of them. I mean, really, it's like picking your favorite child, right? You're right. <laughs> but Michael Bisping is one, it's probably my favorite personality of mm-hmm. the four, at least. And um, for him to kind of get that opportunity on pay-per-view is his first shot at pay-per-view. I thought he did a good oh, job. Yeah. I know there was some criticism of his commentary for the main event. But um, you know, I I because I think I think it all came down to he was being a I think he was kind of being critical of Robert Whitaker trying to mm-hmm. say he should be more uh, active or more aggressive, which is I think most people have kind of assumed was not the right move because that's yeah. what he did the first fight. I don't know, but. I digress. The guy had such short time to prepare. I thought yeah. he was great. I thought it was still it, – it, I will say I think – and I think Joe would Rogan would be okay with this and would be happy with this. It didn't feel like there was something missing because no. Rogan was gone. I Not at all. I think everybody did a good job despite that. You know, and that's how – when Joe hasn't been at these shows like last year, that's how it felt. Yeah. You miss Joe, obviously, the oh, you know, and his connection with Anik and D- DC. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, the production from the UFC's top tier and their commentators, regardless of what combination you have, are always up to par with any other sports league there is. So. And it was interesting. I mean, he kind of still made his way onto the commentary. Uh, did you see where – I know you said you were listening with the volume down. Did you yeah. see uh, or hear about Anik uh, bringing up I guess Joe texted them during the main event. Oh, did he really? He texted him because I guess Izzy, you know how Izzy does that thing with like his right hand where he like kind of. Oh yeah, they thought he hurt his hand or something. Yeah, so Rogan texted him and said that he thought Izzy might have like broken his hand or something. Yeah, but I remember seeing Izzy do that a lot, so I was kind of like, I was kind of. Well, he said post fight, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just loading up the power <laughs> or whatever." So. Yeah, but. Uh, we'll just go ahead and move on to UFC. Speaking of Izzy, since yeah. we're talking about it, the main event of the <sighs> evening, the rematch, much anticipated between mm-hmm. Israel Adesanya and Robert Whitaker. It goes the distance, and Israel Adesanya gets the victory once again. This time via unanimous decision. And uh, Dominic, I mean, right off the top, the fight was a bit what I expected. Mm-hmm. I, I expected this. I expected Robert Whitaker to do a better job here than he did in the first fight. Yep. And I think I can say he did. Yep. Um, I expected it to go all five rounds. I thought um, neither guy was going to really give an inch here, was going yep. to uh, allow himself into any sort of vulnerable position that could potentially be a fight ending sequence. And I didn't expect a ton of action i know you probably had maybe a little bit a little bit more yeah um hope for that but i I just kind of thought this was very much the kind of fight i thought we were going to get i thought it was fine i was on i was very much invested the whole time all five rounds i was intrigued at what was happening i enjoyed seeing kind of whitaker's late push uh you know the championship rounds where he kind of really pushed it in the end but oh yeah rounds were close man very close rounds and Kind of, 
surprisingly, considering this was the the, the Texas judges who had been, <laughs> yeah, who, I guess yeah. to their credit, never got a fight wrong all night, but true had some weird scorecards, and we've seen this is the place that didn't give Dominic Reyes the win over John Jones. So yeah. yeah, very much was like when the scorecards are getting read off, you know, you're kind of sitting there on the edge of your seat, like, oh my god, especially when you have a parlay and bet on the line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I'm gonna let you give your chance to talk about the fight. And I guess we'll start with the champion, um, Israel Adesanya. This is four title defenses for him mm. now. Um, you're the biggest Anderson Silva fan, I know. Yeah. And from I take your great pers- pride in that, Noah. <laughs> yes. So from your perspective, being that you're such a big Anderson Silva fan, how close with this win is Israel Adesanya in sort of be- surpassing Anderson Silva's the best middleweight of all time or one of the best fighters in UFC history. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody likes to automatically point directly to the quantitative numbers first. Well, Anderson has 10 title defenses. Israel has four. He's got six to go, right? He can't be better until he reaches that. Uh, There's way more to it than that, especially at this day and age with the competition. Um, So while he's closing the gap, much like Usman is closing the gap with GSP, there's still plenty of room left to go for Israel Adesanya, but I can't help but you know take away from this fight after watching it that damn right now in 2022, this man is one of the best pound frown fighters in the world. He is a top-notch talent. This fight to me was very much a technical chess match back and forth. It felt like the two best middleweights in the world, and that's what we got mm-hmm. to see to me. Um, yes, the output wasn't what I expected based on my epiphany that I've been talking about all year, uh, but it did go five rounds back and forth, super razor thin. So Adesanya, man, he, he's the king of the middleweights right now. And whilst I think he can potentially reach Anderson Silva in terms of like where I feel an all-time great status, there's still plenty of room left to go. And, you know, for Israel, he's hinted at wanting to move up to 205. He's obviously done it once and failed, but I still think we're going to see him do it again. We saw uh, Anderson Silva succeed there numerous times, not for a title. But uh, there there are just so many similarities between these two. When they fought, it felt like that passing of the torch. So it's it's this is the modern day, you know, almost version of Anderson Silva with a few less finishes in the UFC. But he's dominant. Four title defenses is a ton. Not a lot of people do that, you know, even though it seems like a small number. So while he's getting closer, he's not quite there yet. But again, man. What a performance by him. It just feels like every time I see Adesanya step in there, of course, at middleweight, that is, I just have new takeaways from him. He is just so good and continues to improve every time. Regardless of how close the fight is, there's something new we see from him. Yeah, I, I that's a good way to put it because not every fight is the most exciting fight in the world. This yeah. one wasn't. The Marvin Vittori rematch wasn't. Uh, the Yoel Romero fight certainly wasn't. <laughs> Your shit sandwich. <laughs> But it's he's most he's must see TV in my opinion. He is, I mean, man. He is. He he's at that point where even if it's not the most exciting fight, you're almost just in awe of how good he really is. Mm-hmm. And and this fight was kind of a delight for that, not just for him, but for Robert Whitaker as well. Because yep. especially for the first three rounds or so, it just felt like Izzy just was a step ahead. Just Robert, you could see the improvements, you could see the effort, the game plan, but it just seemed like a guy who just simply had no answers. Yeah. But then he did start to find success in the championship rounds, getting those takedowns, and ultimately 
even when Adesanya would pretty much make his way back up immediately, using that closed distance mm-hmm. to at least try to land something worthwhile. And that did start to have some success for him in the later rounds. But um, this 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 fight really just, I mean, it, it solidified that the, you're right, the two best in the world and ultimately Adesanya being just the best in the world. There's just a pretty decent gap between number one and number two. Yep. Um, as far as him being compared to Anderson Silva, this again I think is just a product of MMA unfortunately doesn't have much resonance for the past. They don't yeah. seem to have much of a sense of nostalgia. And yeah. in some ways that can be good because you kind of, like we've talked about in the past, you know, we grew up being wrestling fans. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think a big problem that a lot of fans that are still watching today seem to have with the product is that they don't really build up their stars of today. They keep going back to the Goldbergs and Brock yep. Lesnar's and people that were big 20 years ago. Um, so in a way it's like a blessing that MMA is so focused on building the stars of today. Yes. But it gets a little frustrating when it comes to like goat status and talking about all time greats, because it feels premature in my opinion for these comparisons between Adesanya and Silva, not yeah. comparisons by themselves, because he is very much like the modern day. Anderson yes. Silva. I mean, yes. hey, the passing of the torch was pretty much him beating Silva. I mean, you're completely justified to make comparisons, but to even fat to, for me to even, if you even are so much as considering thinking that he is above Anderson Silva, I think that's just a little premature. You need to get on fight pass. (laughs) Anderson Silva is a top three fighter in UFC history. Adesanya is certainly making his way there, but I mean, if I'm being honest, like is Adesanya, if you were to list out your top fighters of all time, I mean, he's probably in the top 20. Yes. But I mean, again, I'm not quite ready to say that he's like a, one of the all-time best. Now, he right. certainly has the potential to get there. Oh, yes. And if he keeps going at this rate and staying as active as he wants to be, he's talking about wanting to fight in June, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, that's just going to make it all the more quicker to get there. Yes. And, of course, if he goes back up to light heavyweight, if he were to win a title there. Then we're talking, gonna, you know. <laughs> yeah, we're really getting into some stuff there. But as it stands right now, it's – He's he is a fantastic fighter, one of the best pound for pound today. But I'm not quite ready to say he's like the best middleweight of all time. Yeah, I just think it's a bit premature. And I think what's unfortunate for him, I kind of told you this off recording. I'm gonna try to see how I can articulate Articul- this right yeah. <laughs> right now. It's gonna be hard for Adesanya to really reach Anderson Silva, not just because it's hard to get to that many title defenses. Or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, anything like that. But it's more so just because when you really look ahead, and I know every division may go through this with a dominant champion, and you know it feels like, oh, where's the true contenders left? And right now, Adesanya's got Jared Cannonier, and then he's yep. got Sean Strickland. And compared to the other divisions, like welterweight, who's got these studs on the way up, not only mm-hmm. is Kamaru Usman likely fighting Leon Edwards next, but you have Hamzat Shemaev coming up. You yep. have Shavkat Rachmanov on his way up. You still have then, Luke in there and all these oh other Oh, my gosh, ones. yeah. Vicente yeah. Luque, perhaps Bilal Muhammad. I mean, yep. there's guys in there. Yes. And and even if, like, for, 
for God's sakes, I mean, even Stephen Thompson could still go on. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. It's it's and even a rematch with Gilbert Burns is interesting, and like there are still plenty of matchups yeah. that could really boost Kamar Usman's all time status, and they're all very Adas- much exciting. Yes. Know? While for Adesanya, I just think the middleweight division is just a little thinner. And there's mm-hmm. not those big prospects that I'm looking at right now. Like, Drickus Duplessis, I think, a very interesting one. But he still feels a much further away than, like, Hamzad is right now. To, yeah, maybe, like, to, you know, Alex Pajera. There's that history yeah, with him and Izzy. Alex Pajera is Silva. You know, Darren but, Till's still a guy that I want to have hope for. Yeah. But then, um, and I still think a fight with him and Izzy is interesting. But yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to put the wins together. Yeah. If Kelvin Gastelum could ever go on a winning streak, like I'd love to see them have a rematch. Just and see, but you one. know, as you're saying this, it's in your in my head. I'm just like, there's there's many more what ifs for <laughs> Israel than there is for like a Kamaru. Yeah. You know, so it's just going to be hard when you're talking about legacy building for Israel to really get. I mean, he can still climb just by stacking up wins, but. It's just not going to – he's not going to be able to move as, like, you know, he's not going to be able to jump so far by simply beating Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland. Like, Mm -hmm. he should beat those guys theoretically. But if he goes up to, like, heavyweight and beats Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira, or Jan Blahovich or Alexander Rakic, whoever, all of a sudden you kind of go, oh, okay. Here we go. Yeah. Now you're talking legacy again, winning a second belt. So it's it it feels like he has done so much work in – building that legacy up to this point that it's going to be really hard for him to continue at that rate moving forward, no matter how active he is, just because the threats aren't really there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, but let's talk about Robert Whitaker because he's, mm-hmm. he's in a very interesting spot now, unfortunate spot. Yeah. Um, he respectfully felt like he had done enough to win. So I guess I, maybe I should have asked you this at the forefront. Um, how did you score the fight? Yeah, we saw, real quickly, we saw people throwing around that word robbery again. So, some people, not as many, but just a few. Because one of our loyal listeners, uh, Michael, actually messaged me on Facebook talking about this fight. Oh, really? Yeah, so we kind of went back and forth. And I'm like, yeah, man, I personally had a 4-1 to one Izzy, minimum 3-2. to two. Uh, I love Robert Whitaker. He did do a lot of good things, and these rounds were close. Mm-hmm. But it just, like at the end of that fight, it felt, Adesanya won this fight. You know, as a whole, mm-hmm. he won this fight. So I think the judges got it right. I don't necessarily see Whitaker, you know, winning that. But I, you know, as respectfully as he is, he did kind of say that he thought he won. And it was close, just not close enough for me personally. And did you kind of score it the same way? Yeah, I think I said 3-2, Izzy. I can't yeah, remember uh, yeah. right now. But I think it was 3-2, Izzy, I said. And truthfully, even though I had it, you know, one more round for Whitaker. I just can't really see where you scored this fight for right. Robert Whitaker. I, I I understand maybe rooting for him, and and again these rounds were very close, but I can't help but feel like the anybody scoring this fight for Whitaker, they kind of clung or clinged clung to those moments, yeah. to those kind of moments he would have rather than looking at the round as a whole. Because yeah. you get excited at the potential of a takedown, but then as he gets right back up, and mm-hmm. um, I saw Chael Sonnen thought Robert Whitaker won this fight. Uh, oh, really? Shav thought Robert Whitaker won this fight. Uh, of course, Chael did because Chael is a wrestler, and <laughs> yeah, you true. know Robert Whitaker did do a pretty good job of getting the takedowns, but just it was getting any sort of damage or any sort of submission attempts. He had that one where 
he kind of was riding on the back and yeah yeah um again though he, he got kind of flung off and that was it so um okay so we're on the same page we both scored it for israel Asanya, but robert whitaker still respectful in the post fight but feeling yes. like he had done enough to win and still coming up short that's a tough spot uh, yeah what i'm just gonna ask you i guess there's no real other way to word this i mean what if you're if you're in robert whitaker's shoes or as as a fan of robert whitaker i mean where does he go from here because this is you know he's he's a guy that started his career at 170 pounds yeah he moved up because again it was just he wasn't really at his peak performance at 170 pounds but by all means 185 is like he's not going up from here i don't think no, i think this no. is the division <laughs> for him i don't see him anywhere else but 185 pounds yeah so now that you've been clearly bested twice by a dominant champion and now you're sort of in this rich franklin uh joseph benavidez <laughs> sort of status i mean where does he really go next knowing Bobby Knuckles, I think he just keeps taking on contenders until he gets another title shot. I mean, he's he. I almost view him as like like a Max Holloway right now, like a Colby Covington, where they're the clear second best guy in that division, and they're still like leaps and bounds above the like Robert Whitaker bested for the most part Jared Cannonier over the course of three rounds outside of getting hurt. Jared Cannonier mm-hmm. won last night and is probably getting the next title fight. But I still feel like overall, Robert Whitaker is better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I still think Robert Whitaker better than Sean Strickland. Maybe we see him fight Rob, Sean Strickland, truthfully. Yeah. But uh, I think he's still there welcoming, not like up-and-comers, because he's going to be the guy, you know, he's he's not a gatekeeper, but he in a sense is like a gatekeeper to, you want to get a title shot? I'm sitting right here at number one. Because, by the way, I never lost my number one spot in the rankings, and he probably still won't, even after Cannoneer's win uh, that we're going to talk about here in a few minutes. So, uh, I think he's just still right there. For God's sakes, he could tally off three more wins and fight for another belt. Who knows, is he still the champ by then or not? But he is so good. He's still in his prime, I think, 31 or 32. And you look at all the he's accomplished, which <laughs> relates him even more to what Max Holloway is right now in terms of standing. So I think he just kind of sits right there. And you want a title shot? I'll be right here waiting for you, you know? You're I think you're partially on the right track. I do wonder, though, if you're a guy like – if you're at UFC and you're booking fights for Robert Whittaker, mm. do you – if you have a guy who is looking like maybe he could be a title challenger for Izzy, do you risk having him fight Robert Whittaker knowing that you're not going to give Robert Whittaker a title fight if he right. wins, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like where do – so that makes it interesting. It's like, okay, what matchups do you want to put Robert Whittaker in because, you know, you're potentially risking – a yeah. title challenger in the process. I think a perfect matchup, if I'm looking ahead, him and Marvin Vittori. I know, like that's perfect. a good fight, man. Two guys that obviously have lost to the champion twice. They are two of the top dogs in this division, both so talented, but really aren't fighting for a whole lot of anything right now, unfortunately, mm-hmm. besides holding, holding ground. Yep. So you have those two fight. I think that's an excellent main event, second half of 2022. I would be all all about that. But it, it gets in the long-term outlook. I mean, you're right. There's really not much else for him to do. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think him moving up or down a division is really in the question. Uh, there is the hope probably for Izzy to leave the division. And then <laughs> yeah. Maybe that opens the door for you. But um, you can't really, you know, prepare for that. So, 
I think what really hurts, though, Dominic, is it took him three wins uh-huh. to get this second fight. So how many is it going to take for him to, to get a third? He's ready for a third fight. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at all the contenders around him. I mean, he hasn't fought Marvin Vittori. He hasn't fought Sean Strickland. But then, I mean, he's fought Cannoneer. He's, yep. Well, I guess he hasn't fought Paulo Costa. But Costa's status. He was supposed status, to, at least. Yeah. yeah, Costa's status is a bit up in the air. You know, went over being overweight 20 pounds and whatnot. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. He fought Brunson. He fought Gastelum. He fought Darren Till. Like, there's not a ton of guys in the immediate future for him. So, yes, for the rest of this year, maybe you have a couple fights that you could potentially do with him. But we just need some – and this is the same thing I was talking about for Izzy. We just need some shakeup in this division mm-hmm. to kind of freshen things up. You know, just things – I don't want things to get too stale here because yeah. you got a lot of guys kind of sitting here not moving around a lot ranking yeah and and when you have a champion yeah and when you have a champion like izzy who wants to keep fighting it's like well shit guys come on we got to turn out contenders (laughs) for me to keep defending the belt you know so yeah so i mean i and robert whitaker is just the ultimate professional so i don't see this uh hindering him too much Mm -hmm. you know i don't see this uh deflating him too far and making him like you know not the same fighter moving forward. He obviously feels confident in what he did here in this fight. And, you know, he said as much afterwards. He said, look, I'm this, he's like, we're the two best in the division. I know it. He knows it. So I think for him, there's always going to be that hope that like, if you win enough times, you do get a third fight. And it is interesting. You compared it to like a Max Holloway who it's kind of a similar situation, but yet like Max Holloway got, it, well, I guess as of now, he hasn't gotten a third fight. But Yeah, yeah know, true. Everybody was so sure that a third fight was in reach. And I know the second fight with uh, Volkanovski, that is, for Max Holloway, was razor thin, and a lot of people thought Max won. But, you know, he technically didn't. So it's kind of funny yeah. that, like, everybody was so on board with Max getting a third fight and saying that that was in reach. But for Robert, it feels so just... It feels like it's a mile away yeah. know, at this point. So definitely. Um it'll it'll definitely be a long journey back. And again, it could be as long as Izzy is really here. Like if he goes up a division, then things might change. But um a tough loss, but I, I still plenty of big fights left for him. Yeah. And now we have more middleweights to discuss. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 dude, we're shaking the order up. We're yeah. we're gonna get into the feature bout because it was essentially a title eliminator here as uh, Jared Cannonier does get the knockout with the elbows over Derek Brunson. Four minutes, 29 seconds of round number two. Jared Cannonier kind of staking his claim, saying I'm I'm the number one contender, and he did it in pretty brutal fashion. But, Dominic, it did not come easy. Derek Brunson, I thought, looked great early in this fight. Yes. Round one of basically it was a tale of two rounds. I mean, it yep. really was. Right, round one, Derek Brunson right away. What stood out to me much bigger than Jared Cannonier, despite what I was saying on Friday about how Jared Cannonier had fought at heavyweight and light heavyweight, yeah. and yet he did not look like Brunson's the, thick. Brunson's a big guy, and yeah. it showed, but um. He was relentless in getting those takedowns, and he didn't secure all of them. But Cannoneer was sort of having to 
play defense for most of the round. Didn't did he almost didn't want to throw to he was didn't want to get overzealous with his striking because if you throw a little bit too much in your combinations, then all of a sudden Derek Brunson is shooting for a takedown and you're going yeah. down. And it happened a couple times. A couple nice ones, one nice slam in particular. And um, you know, things were looking a little dicey at the end of that round. Brunson well, he was, even he even dropped Cannoneer with the uppercut. Yeah, too. Oh, yes, yes, correct. I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, Brunson having moments in the striking. I mean, yeah. it, it was a great round for Derek Brunson, and he just yeah. looked very composed as you go into round two. But then round two, it was a lot different of a story, and I'm still not entirely sure what happened because Brunson kind of just lost it all. Like, yeah. I don't know if he got hurt with something and he was just – something happened. Either he got yeah. hurt or he started to gas out a little bit or something. Mm-hmm. But he kind of just became a bit of a prone target, wasn't shooting for takedowns, and Cannoneer having that power and obviously being the better striker started to land some bombs. And then mm-hmm. eventually they were in kind of a clinch, really nice elbow, and – Brunson was pretty much out on his feet. I think the fight could have been stopped there, but instead, yeah. uh, Cannonier kind of gets him to the ground, smashes him with four elbows. And I mean, Brunson's position. corner threw the towel in, guys. Yeah. I mean that that was something. You, that's shit you ain't seen since the Gracies and Shamrocks were yeah. fighting. Yeah, and um, ref finally steps in. Um, a brutal finish. It and was. I guess if you're Cannonier, it's kind of one that you're somewhat thankful for because again it, it it at least inspires some confidence in like okay this guy is serious about getting that title shot yes but you know those were just sort of the 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 round by round the minute by minute thoughts i was kind of having while watching uh dominic anything differently you were seeing or anything that stood out to you about either cannoneers win or brunson's ultimate loss here no i think you hit it on the head on every detail i mean this when you're when you're looking at a number one contender fight, which is this is what this was. That's why it was perfect that they placed it on this card. That's how you go out and prove you're up next. When you do mm. something like that in that brutal fashion against a guy that was on a five fight win streak, that's impressive for Jared Kennanier. He's won two in a row. It's finally time for because he's been there before. He's been right there with Israel Adesanya within reach, and he loses. But this time. He stacked the wins together. He made a statement with this one. He's all 100% next for Izzy. Uh, Izzy. And Izzy has wanted this fight for a while. It's a fresh matchup, as we've already talked about previously. So I think that's a really fun fight. Cannonier looked good, but he did have that bad first round. And while I know Brunson is not the same style of fighter as Izzy, it still just makes me wonder, okay, Cannonier did get the knockout, but he still showed some weaknesses, got dropped on the feet by Brunson, who's not known as a striker. Now you got to go fight one of the best strikers we've ever seen. It's an uphill battle for Cannoneer. It is. But when you have that equalizer at middleweight, which there's definitely knockout artists in this weight class, but he just has this force about him, man, where he connects and you like feel it when you're watching. Mm -hmm. And that's always going to be there, uh, even in a fight with Izzy. So I'm very much intrigued. Again, it's a fresh matchup, which is always fun. Uh, And for Brunson, for what it's worth, the blonde Brunson train comes to an end after five. I rode with him as long as I could. It's tough <laughs> to see him go out. Uh, he said he was all good after the fight. He said, it's time, you know, one more. We're going to go out. We're going to get one more fight in and uh, kind of take a back seat and hit the road for retirement. So shout out to Derek Brunson. I can't wait to see who that retirement fight may come against. But 
the night belongs to Cannoneer. That was a nice way. I, I appreciated you throwing in that that at the end for Derek Brunson. Derek Brunson deserves mm. some respect, man. He, I mean, he he very underrated career, I think. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. He had his his low moments in his yes. career, but I especially think this late run he had. He just was a he had really reinvented himself, and mm-hmm. to come so close to a title fight for him, Derek Brunson, the guy who, you know, was seemingly at one point just the guy you kind of fed to someone who was, you know ready to make a jump into the top 10 or something. You know, is he Robert Whitaker, guys like that had kind of done very impressive. Well, no, real quick. Sorry. Why we're shining on Brunson. One of the OGs from strike force. People forget he's one of the few remaining. Yeah. Very, very much so. Yeah. I kind of forget that he even fought for strike force, honestly, just because, yeah, that's, there's not many left. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how many are left, but uh, wow. That's, that's very interesting. Now, um, I will mention for Cannoneer, my my big point to you, because you were kind of talking about this before we started recording, about yeah. you know the fact that Brunson did look good early. Cannoneer just looking like – it's not even that Cannoneer necessarily looked bad. It's just that uh, obviously wasn't going his way. You know? Yeah, you know, yeah. He was like – he was stopping some takedowns, doing a good job at that, but then – he was obviously very mindful to takedowns, and I think it kind of prevented him from really getting his offense going. And then Brunson was having success with on the feet. So not a great start, but I, I understand where you kind of look at that and you're like, I mean, even though he had a good win, a really good finish to the fight, hard to look at the fight as a whole and necessarily say, like, it improved his chance, like, in yeah. your eyes against Adesanya. Yeah. My only response to that would be, it really didn't matter how Cannoneer won this fight or Derek Brunson for that matter. I I had a hard time. I'm gonna have <laughs> yeah. a hard time really seeing them yeah. as like I mean, they're deserving contenders. Like it's they deserve to get the title fight if they had won and for Cannoneer, you know, winning, I think he deserves it. But it I'm gonna have a hard time when that fight comes believing Cannoneer has much of a chance. Well, I and agree. considering the style of Brunson in this fight. Brunson, relentless with the takedowns. Obviously not going to be the matchup when he fights Israel Adesanya. But you do have a point. He gets wobbled, dropped by an uppercut from Derek Brunson, who is not near the striker of Israel Adesanya. Cannoneer is just someone I've had a hard time really figuring out. Yeah, right. We talked about that on Friday, you know. He's just, like, he's, I know he's very good. I know he's powerful. I know he's, he's got some good speed. He's, like, I know he's good. It's just hard for me to really evaluate, like, well, where is his strengths lie? Where is he really good at? And, right. you know, it should be noted, what a story for Jared Cannonier to kind of get this title fight, potentially, because this is a guy who was uh, one of the most famous alum, Dominic, from one of our favorite uh, side promotions, Alaska Fighting Championship. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and at one point was a truck driver in Alaska, yeah. Started training. It makes his way through the ranks. Starts as a heavyweight. Goes down to light heavyweight. Finds himself at middleweight. Crazy. And now at 37, 38 years old, he's about to fight for a title potentially. It gets one of the best of all time. I mean, it's a it's a great story. Oh, yeah. Oh, but yeah. I don't know if there's going to be a happy ending to that story. But, you know, I, maybe this is a happy ending of itself. Just getting here. You know, getting yeah. to that point. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about the co-main event now. 
Swang and bang, baby. <laughs> Swang and bang. <laughs> Tied to Ivasa and Derek Lewis. This was the fight that people kept throwing that that cursed phrase around. No way this goes to distance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it didn't go to distance. It's tied to Ivasa gets the knockout over no. Derek Lewis. Not a TKO. Not out. Yes. Round two, a minute forty seconds in, mm. and mm. you kind of said it right up top. I mean, swing and bang. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> it's kind of what it, I mean. It's really the fight we expected. So I'm gonna Dominic. You know, this felt like a fight where. Derek Lewis looking for redemption in his home state. I know, being man. That he was coming off that loss to the interim title fight against um, Surreal Gone. Here he is against a guy a little bit lower ranked, tied to Ivasa, but surging. So I guess for you watching this fight, anything that really surprised you here? And, and you know, what are your kind of takeaways now that tied to Ivasa is jumping into the really – front of the line yeah. for the contenders what a you know this was one of those fights we've had on the show where it got announced and we're like huh i mean i'm here for it but i was well, very you know, surprised you know we're talking dominic cruz casey kenny stuff from back in the day <laughs> on the show uh but what a fight they delivered uh and we kind of talked about on friday too while it's a fan favorite you know two guys that are going to go in there they're going to put on a show they're going to get paid it's a good fight for both guys there was a lot on the line for Derek Lewis because, it, you know, he's losing to a young up-and-comer, yes, but he was number 11, and he's going to really, like, if you're if you're Derek and wanting to get back into title of the picture, which he doesn't really seem all that interested in, honestly, if I'm to be truthful with you, this this hurts him. I, I don't know if we're ever going to see Lewis back in those title talks, but for Taitu Ivasa, what a story, too. We're talking Jared Cannonier storylines. Bring it in here with Ty. Starts his UFC career 3-0. Then loses three in a row, gets kind of cut, but not really cut. But then he surges. He's won five in a row, all five via knockout. This one by far the biggest of his career. We're talking like we've got a star in the making here at heavyweight people. We really do. And if you would have told me in 2021 or even like before this fight got announced, as soon as that happened, that Taitu Ivasa would be a title contender before the spring of this year. I mean, he's one went away from a title fight. We we could very well be seeing. I'm not matchmaking, but I just saw someone tweet about this, so I have to bring it up. We could see Taitu Ivasa face Surreal God next. I would have never thought I would put those two men in the same <laughs> sentence with one another. And here we are, man. So what a win for Bam Bam. By the way, faced adversity big time in the first mm-hmm. round. Nearly got finished. Anyone else probably goes out from those shots. So he's eating them, and he's giving them back. And that short elbow to put Derek Lewis out cold? Bam Bam got some damn power, my friend. Woo. You know, on the round table, we talked about sloppy fights. I mean, this was like <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. it was sloppy, but I mean, it was awesome. I it mean, was. These two, these two just threw everything they had at one another. Like when Lewis, when Lewis had Tuivasa hurt bad, like oh. coming off of when he had the trip takedown. Yes. And then when Tuivasa is getting back up and he's just, that's when Lewis is like his most dangerous, when he yep. kind of gets you like off your feet and then he starts just throwing fucking haymakers as you're yes. trying to climb your way back up to to your feet um so he's doing that and Tui Vasa's just hurt mm. and Tui Vasa's response is just to start swinging yes. those arms yeah. man he just starts throwing and I was like oh god this is over <laughs> said, this is over and uh it wasn't it wasn't somehow I mean his chin holds up you know I 
I, I loved this fight. It was great. It was so much fun. Two guys that are fan favorites, and I know it's sad for Derek Lewis. It is. Because you're yeah. kind of right. Even though Derek Lewis lost in pretty one-sided fashion to Surreal Gone, you know, there still was a route for him to potentially get a title fight because he does have a win over Francis Ngannou, technically. Yeah. And not only that, but just the idea of those two fighting again, is it felt very much like a fight that people would want to see. It was a fight people wanted to see last summer. Why wouldn't they want to see it now, you know? Yeah. Um, and even if he were to get a fight with, like, Stipe or someone, like, you know, those seem like good fights. Yes. Um, with this loss, I I don't necessarily close the door on it. But again, it's all about like how long does he really want to keep going? And yeah, because um, you're right. I mean, like, he's he's one of those guys that, funny enough, both of these guys in this fight are like not into fighting like as a sport. Like yeah, they they're prize fighters. Like, they know? do it as their job. They don't yep. really give a shit about watching it or following it. Yep. And I respect to them for being like that. I do see Tuivasa having a little more motivation for a belt than Derek. You have to Derek. now. <laughs> Derek seems to be a little bit more about like whatever gets his money up. Yes, and yes. I'm sure Tuivasa is like that too. But he does seem at least somewhat motivated by getting a belt, you know. So um, it is just to me this Tuivasa is 2022's version for us of Benil Dariush last year, mm. where we were very high supporters of him, just like guys. We love this guy. We want you guys to like show him support. And then out of nowhere, he kind of just jumped to the top of the ranks, and that was even higher than yeah. we thought they were capable of. And it's like, yeah. well, now are we going to become detractors, or are we going <laughs> to keep riding with them? Like, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Like, now is it all of a sudden going to be like, well, you can't give Tuivasa a title shot, even though we were guys that were all on the train. You know, we were, we were the conductors, like, just yeah. a week ago. But let me just say for now, I I don't know what your takeaways can really be from this fight. I mean, it was it was what you expected. Two guys, high power, that you know loved to stand and trade. They did it. They did it for a round and a half. It was fun. But like the idea of Tuivasa fighting Surreal God, I mean, I don't see that fight going any different than Surreal <laughs> God's win over Derek Lewis. Yeah. So. It's kind of hard to say, like, what's really next because um, it was interesting, though. Dana White mentioned Tied to Ivasa along with the names Francis Ngannou, Stipe Miocic, and John Jones. <laughs> it's like, like one of these things doesn't belong, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, he's not a guy you can count. It's it's very much like Derek Lewis. I mean, he is very much like Derek Lewis being yeah. in this title picture, except I would argue he has a more well-rounded uh, striking skill set. Yeah. So he's a threat for sure. And – and it's and yes, maybe it is a bit of like the one punch, the knockout threat. But in the heavyweight division, that is more relevant than anywhere else. Yeah. So this idea that like it's some sort of joke that he would be in a, uh, you know, if he were to get Stipe or John Jones next, as crazy <laughs> as that sounds, yeah, he is a threat. Oh yes. Do I necessarily percent. think he's going to win those fights? Probably not. But I'm just saying that. He is a definite threat, not just like a, and and yes, you could say, oh, it's just a puncher's chance. But again, at heavyweight, that is the most relevant vision for a puncher's chance. And, um, you know, this is just a big win for him because both these guys were kind of, kind of stars in their own right. Very popular. Tui Voss has been really riding a wave of momentum. And this is 
the most legitimate win of his career. This a big, big jump up, and he passed the test. He did some shoeies on the way out. Yeah. Bit massive L to the cameraman who missed the the shoey on top of the cage. Massive L, but I I just I don't know what else to really say about it. Like it's just I I can't wait to to be shocked by what fight he gets put in. I next. know, dude, because whoever it's gonna be, even though we know the list is short, we're gonna be like, <laughs> holy shit, this is the like, fight announcement. Just can't believe that it's gonna actually be announced. Like you just can't believe it. You know? And if he wins he's it's a title like let's be honest here people i think regardless of like where john jones fits in and steve pay and surreal gone still if he can win a sixth in a row especially if he finishes it with the star power and you said the momentum he's gonna get a title fight and it's gonna be nuts if that's can i just say heavyweight does feel like it's in kind of a very exciting part of its it's of very its fresh now i know we have the whole title situation yeah, that's kind of yeah putting a damper on things, but you do have Ngannou as a champion as of now, who is, you know, a big deal, a big deal. You still have Stipe kind uh-huh. of at the end of his run. John Jones potentially is coming in to make a, a big debut and one of the best fighters in UFC history. Then you got now Taito Ivasa, who's a very exciting power puncher. So yeah. God, one of the, we still stand by. He's I would still say, there. Yes. The most well-rounded heavyweight perhaps in UFC history. But then Tom Aspinall, on the way up. Mm-hmm. You got uh, Curtis Blade still in there. Yeah. Eric Lewis may be kind of falling out now, but then, you know, Alexander Volkov is still around. Rosenstroik's uh, there. Rosenstroik's there. And then you got uh, Chris Dawkins, who still has a lot of potential. Yep. So I, I would definitely go. And then you got, a, like, Alexander Romanov, if you want to go a little lower. He's a guy <laughs> uh, a lot yeah. of people are excited about. So. This heavyweight division is very much looking like it's going to be in a very fun place moving forward, even if we might get some wacky-ass matchups now that Tai Tuivasa shocked the world. Me exactly. <laughs> Let's get into the rest, because there's still a lot to go over Oh, here. there I mean, is. It was a tough card to really cut out anything, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it, it hurt me to cut out my boy Andre Arlovsky. Shout out to yeah. him. Yeah. Gained another win. And Three in a row. Cash, easiest money I ever made. Andre by decision. It almost wasn't, though. (laughs) Well, split decision. But, you know, that's Texas for you. Right, right. So let's start with Hinato Moicano um, because he gets a submission win over Alexander Hernandez. A minute 23 seconds of round number two. Moicano should be very happy that this fight got bumped up to the main card at the last second thanks to his opponent. Um, Well, I don't know if it's really thanks to. I don't know. Basically, Alexander Hernandez complained about being on the prelims. So then they they swapped his fight with Moicano and then the Kyler Phillips, Marcelo Rojo fight and put the one on the main card. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's because Hernandez complained, but uh, I'm just saying that because Hernandez did throw a bit of a fit about it and then he got smashed. It's the most Alexander Hernandez thing ever though. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we don't, I don't want to be a hater, but also, um, he doesn't make it easy to like. He does. He really doesn't because he he goes quiet. Like the Donald Cerrone thing was a bad look, right? Yeah. You know he yeah. he was like he had some really great one liners in the build up, and you're kind of like, oh shit! Like this. <laughs> not to mention that this guy made date his debut was knocking out Benil Dariush. Yeah, don't forget he hasn't lost since. You know, Benil, and he so. beat. Uh, and I think he followed that up with I don't know if he knocked him out or just beat uh, Olivier Aubin Mercier, who yeah. is still yeah. a good fighter in the PFL. 
But then, um, you know, he gets that Donald Cerrone fight, talked a lot of shit, and Jeez. Donald Cerrone smashed him. Yeah. And then he kind of went quiet, went back yep. and started just doing his thing. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay, this kid's just going to, you know. He learned. Know he, you know. I don't know if I should call him a kid. He's probably older than me. But <laughs> he, you know, it felt like, okay, maybe he learned a lesson. Now yeah. he's just going to, you know, put his head down get to work. Yep. And then here he kind of he kind of did it again. And he got smashed. He did. And, you know, I'm not even going to really focus on him here because this is obviously a tough loss uh, for Alexander Hernandez. And, you know, it, I to me, he at this point is kind of in a pretender status for me. Mm, yeah. Where he's a guy that will show some potential, but, you know, he's getting beat pretty badly in these when fights he loses that, yeah yeah like you know the drew dober fight was one that he had some moments in but drew dober looked so fucking good in that yeah. fight where he yeah uh got the win so here hinato moicano who was another guy that for a long time people had high hopes for and he has a resume that really fills <laughs> out yeah but because of the high hopes that i think even the ufc had for him he was kind of fed to some into some really tough matchups yeah. Um, but here, I mean, this is the most complete performance I've ever seen from Hinata. He looked good. Not only with the fact that he got that submission win, and we know how good his submissions are as jiu-jitsu is, but on the feet, Dominic, mm-hmm. the, the the setup for the submission win here, oh my gosh. The combination to, to get this fight to ultimately the finish was amazing. And I can't believe it. I hate that this guy is getting kind of overlooked here because I'll tell you what I've been doing on my Excel sheet, you know, that I I love you and your Excel sheet. So, you know, for a long time when I was watching, going back and watching old cards, I was tracking my fight of the night, you know, looking at the main card. What was my fight of the night? What was my favorite fight to watch on here? Well, now I'm doing my fighter of the night. Mm. So now what I'm watching, I'm like, okay, who on the main card was the biggest standout? And on pay-per-views, a lot of times, it's like when a title changes hands, okay, usually the guy winning the belt is probably the of course. fighter of the night. But when I was doing it last night, I'm like looking, I'm like, I think I'm going with Hinato Moicano. Yeah. You know, and and I get it. Cannoneer, big big performance. Tied to Ivasa, big performance. Izzy gets a win. And then you even got Bobby Green to open the main card. I know. <laughs> Hinato Moicano, being that he was a guy that at one time had a lot of potential, still does, but is kind of, you know, came back down to earth. And then uh-huh. he puts up this, and this was like a complete his best in showing. Yes. I think he deserves a lot of praise. And he followed it up with an awesome post-fight interview that, I mean, may not have earned him any favors with the UFC, but... Uh, should at least get him maybe a pretty decent opponent for his next one. Yeah, I mean, what a performance! I you, I love how passionate you were for this. You took it away. I have no more words <laughs> other than it really was the most complete we've seen him, and it, it it showed me a lot, you know, about how he's continuing to improve even after the win loss, win loss, all that stuff. So, and as passionate as I was about it, I will say I'm still fearful to get too invested in him because. Of course. We've been here before with Moicano. Maybe not, again, I've never seen him look that good, but there was a point in time where he was being matched up with Jose Aldo and we didn't know who was going to win that fight. I mean, yes. that was the reality at one point in time. Yeah. So I'm a little fearful to get too, you know, invested again, but I definitely want to see what's next. Yeah, that's I, I a great way to put do. it. 
Um, but yeah, I, I guess we'll just leave it there. So uh, Bobby Green got this the guy. unanimous decision win over Nazra Hawkpress. What a dog. Yeah. I mean, what a fight. Really. Yeah, it was a good fight. And again, a kind of a Bobby Green at 35 years old, Dominic, this renaissance to his career, and it kind of continued here. Um, did this fight go how you thought? And if so, you know, what what really do we have here with Bobby Green? I think it's fair to kind of ask that question now. Yeah, it did. It This did go how I thought. Like, at first, I think I even said on Friday, I was like, oh, man, plus money on Nazrat? You know, I think he's a well-rounded guy. I might sprinkle it. The day went on, and I'm like, oh. Bobby Green, man, he especially after that winning against Raging Al. I mean, damn, to he's just such a good boxer. Like the rest of his skill sets, not like incredible, but damn, he is so good on the feet and so fun to watch. And just what a positive outlook on life. And every time he does a post fight interview, I want to run through a brick wall. I mean, what a beast that Bobby Green is. But Noah, he's won five out of his last seven fights, and the two losses were tough fights. I mean, he went back and forth with. I, I, Hafiel Fazayev was like one of the low-key fights of the year then, from last uh, year. Tiago Moises. Tiago Moises. So, I mean, the guy's schedule, especially of late, has been very good. And I think just because – I mean, he's 10-7 and 7 in the UFC. He's been fighting for so long, but he's still only 35. So, I'm not saying there's like a title run in him, but there's room for him to really make noise in like the back half of these rankings and potentially, mm -hmm. you know – shake up some of these prospects that we've talked about so much i saw someone even call for him versus brad rydell um yes <laughs> please Perfect. because Perfect. not only would that be an amazing fight but bobby green a chance to get back into the rankings at which he's earned and deserves it i mean dude the guy just keeps reinventing not even reinventing the wheel but just showing that his skill set on the feet i mean he's one of the, like the best overall boxers in 155 pounds and you know how good this weight class is it's crazy I love the idea of Bobby Green having this role as like a, as like a guy brought in to shake things up. You got all these yes. prospects in the back half who kind of, you know, they're all like, "Hey, we're gonna make our way to the top." He can you play know. spoiler. You yeah, know? he can play the spoiler, man. Yeah. And I mean, he is good enough to beat any of those guys on any night, and also he could lose to any of them on any given yep. night. You look at how good he fought Rafael Fazayev. Even in a loss, that still might be my favorite performance out of Bobby Green because nobody thought he was going to have much of a chance there. No, and no. he took Fazayev to the brink. And that's what I really want to see him do if he fights a guy like Brad Rydell. I'm not saying he has to win, but to kind of make these guys that are so young, so less experienced, have to really dig deep yes. and pull something out that they didn't even know they had. You know, you've seen... A lot of the best fighters are all, of all time kind of are faced with that sort of fight, that moment where they have to really dig deep, you know? And yeah, div divisions need a guy like Bobby Green. Yeah, and I and I love that the fans were behind him here. Yes. Kind of makes me think that maybe there is something to Bobby Green that, like, I think he could headline a fight night almost. Like, Hell I, yeah. I, I, like, I really want to support this guy and – and, you know, his fight style is very exciting, very good boxing. I mean, I remember my mom was uh, talking about it as we were watching. She's like, why is his hand so low? And I'm like, because yeah. he's fucking good, man. Yeah, like, he doesn't stop nonstop for yeah. three rounds. And I know he could do it for five. I've never seen mm. him get tired, so I have no doubt he could go five rounds. Yeah. Following that, Dominic, Casey O'Neill. One of the, probably the biggest 
prospects on the card. Yes. And she was faced with the retiring OG of the fight game, Roxanne Modafferi. She does get the win via split decision, but ultimately mm-hmm. was a pretty clear win, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, Dominic, going to be up front. <laughs> Out of all the fights on this card, I, <laughs> I, I don't know if I mentioned this on Friday. Um, I was watching a lot of the prelims on my phone. I was my family a lot of my family got covid around christmas time so this was when we did christmas basically um so i was visiting family and then we were out to eat uh pizza for a little bit so i was watching the fights on my phone unfortunately there was like this time frame where i wasn't watching and yeah that was during the casey o'neill yeah roxanne modafferi fight so I, unfortunately i kind of missed it but i want you to kind of give your thoughts considering you're very high on Casey O'Neill. Did yeah. she pass this test in your eyes? Yeah, so low-key, like, for me, the fight of night was tied to Ivasa and uh, Derek Lewis. Obviously, mm-hmm. that fight was insane. Swing and bang, right? But this one was a good fight, man. I don't care what anybody says. Roxanne Montefiore, no matter if she's winning or losing, she's giving 110% effort. She is a hard out for anyone. So mm-hmm. I was hesitant to even pick Casey O'Neill because we've seen Roxanne play spoiler does people like Macy Barber, but I, I Casey O'Neill is good. She is good. And she needed a test like this. She was three and Oh, she finished everyone. Yeah. She's had a little adversity, but I knew she wasn't going to come in here and just roll like steamroll Roxanne. It wasn't going to happen. She was going to have to go three full rounds and show a full skill set. And that's what she did. She broke the record for most significant strikes landed in a women's flyweight fight last night. And she did it in three rounds. It was like a over 150 strikes. It was crazy. Wow. So uh, the output from both was just back and forth. There was over 650 total strikes thrown between the two. It was nuts. They didn't stop for 15 minutes. People were booing Casey at the end. Maybe because it was Roxanne's retirement fight. You never like to see people lose when they're leaving. But I was like, guys, what are we doing? This is one of like the biggest <laughs> prospects in the UFC. Come on, I agree. cut it out. So, I agree, uh, but also, didn't you? I, I heard she has been kind of trying to embrace being the villain. Have you been hearing any of that? She, I noticed, like leading into this fight, not necessarily like being a heel toward the fans, but in her mindset, she's like, she felt almost disrespected. Is with the vibe I got going into this fight because she's like, everybody's talking about Roxanne. It's her, you know, it's her send off. It's her retirement fight. But I'm the future now. I'm here. It's my turn. You should be talking about me. And that's what she went out and she was yelling at Roxanne in the second round. I'm like, holy shit, chill out. (laughs) So uh, I I just, I wanted to see this from Casey. I didn't want to see some easy, you know, she goes in and gets a finish. I wanted to see, she's 24. You have to be faced with adversity. That's what she did. And she won this fight. She's going to move up a couple spots, still kind of in that 10 to 15 range, but she's inching closer and closer and kind of beginning to separate a little from the rest of those flyweight prospects, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And, you know, getting past this hurdle that can be Roxanne Modafferi, who is one of the most unassuming fighters on the whole roster, but always brings, like, you can never, she's never an easy out, basically. Mm -hmm. She's, She's always a tough one out. Um, so it's a good win for Casey O'Neill. And to, to, the funny part that I had heard about this this whole villain thing, this embracing this kind of heel thing. Is, yeah. Uh, apparently Joanne Wood does not like uh, Casey O'Neill very okay. much. And <laughs> when Ariel asked her why, apparently it's because 
whenever Casey O'Neill goes to the PI, she parks in the handicapped parking spots. Oh my goodness. I mean, what a heel move, oh, Dom. Come on, Casey. <laughs> so when I heard that, I, I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, like I get it. That is like, I get it. That that that's stupid. Like it's dumb. Yeah. You know, yeah. You don't don't park in handicapped parking spots if you Yes. But it was just so trivial, just so funny to me. Like I just want her to embrace being a heel of like everyday life annoyances or something like yeah. i i want her to be like the the like someone who like crop dusts people when she's like walking <laughs> past them in grocery stores like just be like a heel to like the everyday man just like right the the little things you know beat a person like when you finish it like a gallon of milk you put it, the empty gallon back in the fridge or something or carton <laughs> or you, you just know. drink out of the gallon in general and put it back yeah you know? <laughs> yeah so I don't know. I just thought that was funny, but I'm yeah. glad to see. I, I'm glad to see that Roxanne did get kind of a good send off here. She yes, she looked yes. good on her way out. She fought hard. Um, even got one of the judges to score to fight for, her, even if that was a bit rudimentary. But uh, Casey being the future, being so bright looking in the in the future. I mean, good win. Yes, right? yes. Kyler Phillips submits Marcelo Rojo round three minute forty eight. This was a fight a lot of people were very excited for. Mm. Obviously, Kyler Phillips, people are very uh, high on, and rightfully so. But Marcelo Rojo being a guy that just is one of those killer-be-killed types. Yep. And I think that kind of showed here. But I do think Kyler Phillips definitely showing how good he really is with this performance. Yeah, Kyler looked so good when he first got to the UFC. But then he lost to Holly and Piva. It was a close fight. But he, like, Mm -hmm. gassed. You kind of saw some weaknesses. He... And I just had a gut feeling that he was gonna. Not, I'm not even going toward the bet. No, I want I'm, you. I'm, I want. Hey, I want you. I want you. I want to bring it. I want to talk about it. You know. Well, first off, where I was going though was like I just knew he was gonna bounce back. I thought he was gonna look really good, yeah. and he did. Didn't he? He looked like he a stud look. last night. But if you want me to bring it up, I'm, I had. Let's, let's, let's air it out. Let's right. air it out. Okay. All right. so if you don't know, we have a betting show called The Nosebleeds. It airs on Thursdays on YouTube. Check it out if you haven't. It's the best betting show that there is. Uh, anyway, and we've been on fire lately. Hopefully that doesn't end. <laughs> but uh, I'm taking my notes. What bets do I like? And Rojo had lost four fights via submission and two via decision. And there was a bet on DraftKings. It was weird. It wasn't like a double chance or anything where it's like by finish, but it was – Kyler Phillips by submission or decision plus 130. And I'm like, hmm, I like this. Plus money. Kyler doesn't really submit people, but I could see it happening in this one. But then me and Noah kind of went back and forth off recording. I'm like, what do you think, man? Do, do I do this? Do I do the, like a prop bet? And then I ended up just putting Kyler on the parlay and taking Ronnie Lawrence off. Of course, Ronnie wins. And I could have had more money is what I'm going with here. But – it was just funny how we kind of went about it, and Noah and I went back and forth in our group text last night. I'm not mad, Noah, for what, oh, what see, it's worth. You're, you're, you're holding not back mad. on the details. You're no, holding no, no. back on the details. Okay, you can fill them in with any more. Go ahead. This is your time. Take the floor. Oh, I mean, Dominic blamed me for not I didn't not blame you. He, he, he literally threw me under the bus in our group chat. <laughs> He said, he said, he said, Noah, you are the worst. (laughs) I did not say this. (laughs) No, basically how I remember it was me and Dominic share the bets that we're planning to place before we film or record the the nosebleeds. Because what we're trying to get in a good habit of doing is 
basically we give our bets to each other and then um, we place them. Right. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on saying, because <laughs> yes. I don't want to implicate anybody here. Right. <laughs> we place them. So that way we're giving the accurate odds on DraftKings. When we, as, yes. Yeah. Because the first couple of weeks we were, you know, newbies at this. So we were like saying them. But then we weren't placing the bets till like Saturday. Then the so odds then would change. Odds would change. You know, you don't want to. Yeah. I think it's just good practice. You know, yes. when you're sharing your picks with an audience, you know, you, you should course. already have those picks in place. So Dominic sharing his with me, and I can't remember exactly. So you you had mentioned that 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 play for yeah. for uh, Kyler Phillips decision or submission, and I was like surprised. I was like, oh, you think he. A submission win, and I thought, and if I remember right, you were like, "Well, I think it's going to go to a decision," but you're like, "I just like the like the plus odds." Yeah, and you're like, "And I think Mar- Rojo has been submitted a few times." Yeah, and I was like, "Well, if you think it's going to go to a decision, you'll get even better odds if you pick it to go to a decision." Yeah, and you were like, kind of looking at it, and then. I really liked Mata Martinez as an underdog. I yeah, against my Ronnie. Of the week. Yeah. So then I was like, well, Tom, I'm like, if you like him, I mean, you like, you could always just put him on your parlay and take yeah. out Ronnie Lawrence or somebody. And Dominic took my advice. I, now, I just badly no, no, wanted something with Kyler. No, 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 no. Let me be. Oh, sorry. It wasn't advice. Right. We I don't simply, give advice. I simply was just telling him. I was just observing. Like, he was telling, and, like, I was just kind of saying, like, what I would have done. And now yeah. – I went 0 for 8 on college <laughs> basketball bets yesterday. Yeah. So the fact that Dominic listened to me is kind of incriminating on himself. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but he did he did make sure to let me know that I was a terrible friend and <laughs> and, and that I costed yeah. him money. But, you know, I'm glad that we were able to kind of move on from it. Right, and at the at the end of the day, all that matters, the nosebleeds was a hell of a week. But it is nuts that he did get a submission win. When I when that happened, though, I did kind of go like, oh, "Fuck, I did really." <laughs> I like, when I, I saw it, I remember sitting there and I was like, "I knew it! I knew it! I was gonna happen!" But at the end of the day, Kyra Phillips looked fucking really. No, good. he did look good, <laughs> and the fact that I didn't see it coming, and he looked so comfortable. Yeah, there was just very telling because this is a guy that this is a guy that I've always been impressed with the striking. It's always been the his nickname's Matrix, I believe. I mean, the guy just looks so smooth, and yet he looks the same way when the fight goes to the ground when he's going for submissions. And he's only twenty six. Okay, I'm very much on board with what's next for him. I already have been, but you know that loss to Paiva might have made people kind of hesitant but that yeah. was such a close fight and pipe is yeah. good so let's see what's next for him but i think yet he, he's got to be right there for top 15 again oh yeah for sure opening. i, was like, I thought somebody that? just like ran into the door <laughs> yeah i'm not sure what just happened but uh <laughs> moving on oh ronnie, ronnie. Lawrence. yeah ronnie <laughs> lawrence uh he does get a unanimous decision win over mana martinez and dominic this was one of the wild fights of the night yeah how many knockdowns were in this fight like uh, five? 17 yeah. <laughs> yeah a great fight i was you know i was kind of side with mana martinez but ronnie lawrence looked really good here i gotta admit he, he did look really good so um was there anything that surprised you about this one did martinez put up a better fight than you thought or um 
you know, we've already kind of known Mono, or uh, Ronnie Lawrence to be a bit of a dog, so no surprise there, right? Yeah, Mana just put up um, a way tougher fight. He almost, he almost finished Ronnie in the uh, third round. I think he knocked him down a couple times himself, and then he got knocked down early on in the fight, too. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, like you said, Ronnie, we, we talked about it on the nosebleeds. He just does have that dog in him, and he did it again here. Like, he was a minus 300-plus favorite going into this, which that's why you picked Mana as your dog of the week. You're like, damn, you know, Ronnie's good, but this I could see this going Martinez's way, and it almost did. But uh, it was just a really fun scrap, and Ronnie Lawrence, uh, he's just a tough out for anyone. And I just kind of want to see, like, what could his ceiling be? Like, I, I want to see him stay active, keep fighting, and, you know, maybe he does crack into the rankings here, here in the foreseeable future. He He's just a fun fighter, you know, that fight style that you like to see. Yeah, oh, I hear you for sure. And, you know, Ronnie Lawrence, I think that makes him – I think he might have lost his debut in the UFC. But he – Yeah, he's on a streak. Though. He's like 3-1, and one, I think. Yeah, yeah. So uh, he's definitely someone to be on the lookout for because he kind of gets it done in all ways. You know, he's, mm -hmm. he's a guy that – very well-rounded. And, yes. you know, this Mata Martinez might not be the toughest fight that he'll have uh, coming up, but – Definitely was a, a performance where, you know, it definitely pleasantly surprised with just how good Ronnie Lawrence really is, I think, yeah. at this point. And I think he's another guy that could be very much knocking on the door, top 15. Yeah, for sure. This is kind of why this card was so good on paper to me, is that, so you know, whenever we go back and look at these old cards that we used to watch at B-dubs or at your mm -hmm. basement or whatever, and we'll look low on the prelims and we'll see guys that are, eventually champions and we're like man i yeah. don't even remember like giving those guys any credit when they yep. were fighting this card felt like there's a few of those on here like yes. these guys that are gonna really have big fights ahead of them you know yeah i like that um the last couple here this was the fight of the night by the ufc mm -hmm. it was a wild one i don't think either of us would have gave it fight of the night but hey awesome fight douglas yes. silva day and Gets to come from behind win via submission over Sergey Morozov. Round two, three minutes, 24 seconds in. Um, a tale of two rounds. Yeah, exactly. Like, like yeah. the like the other fight. So, Dayan Draj is a tank. I mean, Dude. this guy looks... <laughs> I can't help but look at this guy and look like... He looks like a smaller version of TRT Vitor. Did I, mean, <laughs> I was about to say, John Anik said, going into his last fight... He had a, like an 11-week training camp. Mm -hmm. Over that course, he had to drop 47 pounds to make weight. He's That's a beast. It's insane. And you know what? You know, like it's like Austin Powers with. Uh, you ever watch Austin Powers? Or I'm not going to ask if you've ever watched it. I know you haven't. But uh, you know the you know the mini me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Douglas Silva de Andrade is the mini me for TRT Vitor. Holy shit. They literally look just alike, man. That's true. That's true. It, is, it is like I couldn't get past it. But he does uh, – he is, like, very underrated. I mean, that's – And that's he's, something. like, 36 years old, too. Yeah. I mean, he got a, he gave a tough fight to a debuting um, – fuck. No, I can't remember <laughs> who I was going to say. You know what? It doesn't matter. But, right. uh Basically, he's very underrated and yes. has been honestly his record's very good. It is. He's done a very. He's been very good in this division, and yet just hasn't really gotten the the credit, I guess, that he's really due. And here it looked early like again. I was kind of thinking Morozov was going to win this fight, and I just thought his ceiling's a little higher. He's a little. 
he's a fresh face. You know, he's a guy that was really good for um, the promotion that, like, uh, now I can't think of it. <laughs> You're struggling on this one. Dude, but Morozov looked amazing in that first round. <laughs> oh, I was did. like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah, it was very impressive. And then the second I almost round said happened. KSW, but that's not what it was. Anyways, um, Douglas Silva de Andrade does have the big comeback in round two. It was just a really fun fight, but it was one where it felt like each round was like pretty much in one guy's favor. You yes. Know? Oh, it, well, yeah, that's the only way to put it, truthfully. So it's like kind of hard to say it was like the fight of the night, in my opinion. But hey, all respect to these two. Get that 50K. And uh, I still am excited to see what's next for Marzov too. Uh, but, me too, man. Yeah, I know he I, got finished here, but you said apparently his story. He's like a former soccer player, and then oh. he started training MMA. I think when he was like nineteen, and he was ten years ten years later, and he's in the UFC. I mean, he looked his grappling looked great. His striking was top tier. I mean, he just he got clipped bad in the second round because of Andrade's power, and he ended up getting submitted, but. Uh, it wasn't like a bad loss by any means, in my opinion. I think he still has a good future. I was a little surprised that we were going to talk about this one, but the opening fight of the night, Jeremiah Wells submits Blood Diamond. A lot of submissions on this card, by the yeah. way. He gets it done, 4 minutes, 38 seconds around number one. Now, going into this fight, I kind of looked at I, I I think Jeremiah Wells is a guy to look out for. I He's thought that good. going in. Um, his debut, Warley Alves, a very tough opponent to debut against, and he smashed him. But then you add this fight where he's going up against a 3-0, 31-year-old Blood Diamond. Well, that's not the name. Mike Mathitha. Yeah. And um, I was like, why is this fight being booked? I was kind of confused. And then I started having hearing about Izzy, uh, what he was talking about. And he kind of – he built a lot of hype for Blood Diamond. He did. His debut. Yeah. And uh, now, Dom McDowell, did the debut live up to the expectations or – was there a little bit left to be desired there? Yeah, that's definitely the latter. And it's not to even Blood Diamond's detriment. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's a kickboxer. He's newer to MMA. And when you're a guy like Jeremiah Wells, he's super well rounded, man. We're talking like powerful striking, but you're not going to stay on the feet with, you well, know, apparently kickboxing. he has over 100 kickboxing fights. Uh, Jeremiah or Blood Diamond? Blood Diamond. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there you go. Why would I want to stay on the feet with this guy? Yeah. I'll use my grappling. This is MMA at the end of the day. And that's what worked. And truthfully, again, hindsight, when you're talking about the nosebleeds, Jeremiah Wells by submission looked pretty good when you think about it. But he, he just had a really good performance. He didn't even look bad on the feet. I mean, he was getting the best of Blood Diamond everywhere. Uh, it was a big... Yes, it was the first fight of the night, but it's a big debut for Blood Diamond when you've got Izzy hyping you up at the press conference like that. And I don't think it's like, oh, he came in, he lost. We, I'm still excited to like see him get matched up again. It's just like, let's pump the brakes on the styles because Jeremiah Wells, as you said, he's 2-0 and in the UFC, but he's from the Contender Series. I think he got to finish on that show. He's a stud, like a force to be reckoned with and a mm. prospect to say the least. Well, Blood Diamond, for sure, I want to see him get a matchup against someone more, you know. Jeremiah Wells was a very tough debut yes. to have to go up against. So, considering especially how limited the MMA experience is for yeah. Blood Diamond. I mean, yes, kickboxing aside, but um, very much excited to see what's next for him, for sure. Yeah. That's going to wrap it up for this edition the MMA weekend recap. That one went a little bit longer than I thought, but a lot of takeaways, man. And we want to hear from you. What were your takeaways? What fight stood out to you? Who was your fighter of the night? Let us know. 
voice message. We'll plug that all right now. But uh, we'll be back on Thursday for That's the right. nosebleeds. And then, obviously, we'll be dropping a weekend preview on Friday. So until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at Deasley14. More importantly, go follow, go engage, go interact with the podcast with us on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at NTBaker underscore. If you go to the link in my bio, there is a link tree, right. which presents you a list of links to all the platforms the podcast is on along with social media platforms. So that includes... It's not limited to. The Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube channel, and Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. It's all on there, baby. And there's a couple links for today's sponsor, Anchor. That's right. Shout out to Anchor. Shout out. And the way that you can leave your thoughts is with one of these two links, leaving a voice message. It's such a cool feature, guys. Mm -hmm. Come on. Up to 60 seconds. Just let us know your thoughts from this card. Anything about, you know, what's next for some of these guys. Um, how do you see Adesanya Cannoneer potentially going? Yeah. You know, how does Tuivasa fare with the top of the heavyweight division? You know, just let us know your thoughts. We'll feature it on the future episode of the show. Give our opinions on your thoughts and we can have a discussion just that way, you know? So up to 60 seconds, or if you would rather not do the voice thing, you could always leave a comment on YouTube. Uh, I think there's a section to pose a question on Spotify. Uh, We obviously have a Instagram and Twitter. You can respond there as well. And uh, we can have a discussion there. So just any way to kind of improve. We just want to, you know, have a discussion with you guys. So uh, a lot of ways to do so. And also there's a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast. We just appreciate any and all support. But uh, that's it. We're out. And we'll see you all on Thursday.